Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You are now listening to the Dual Position Podcast. The boys are back to talk all things super coach all season long. Please welcome your hosts, Whisper and Brew. Well, Brew, our first week of quote-unquote full-time podcasting has come to an end. Uh, last week we delved into hookers, front row, two RFs, got all the pigs out of the way. We move into the exciting stuff today. Halfbacks, uh, look, there's, there's, there's one star of the show, but people are a little bit undecided as to what we're doing when it comes to Nathan Cleary. If we're going to build around him, look elsewhere... The shoulder injury is kind of a worry. Uh, I'm sure you and I will touch on all that today, but there is plenty of value in the halfbacks this year, I feel. Mate, how was your weekend? Yeah, not too bad, mate. How was yours? Good, mate, good. I was uh, I was in Sydney for the last four days and t- took a rapid test this morning and came back negative, so surprise, uh, surprisingly I dodged that. But um, yeah, look, we're here now. We're talking to the coach, and we are, what is it, two months away from round one. So exciting times uh, i think the 10th of march is is the round one date so getting closer and closer uh on the schedule for this week uh, as i said before we'll be doing halfbacks today which is monday uh we'll be looking at five eighth on wednesday and fullback oh, sorry center wings on friday we'll jump into fullbacks next week and then we'll start the the team team breakdowns where we i guess we go in, t- in detail of more and more players rather than just the the guns of one position brew nathan cleary Look, suffered that injury, came back, played on it, had surgery in the off-season, was seen the sling, but there's conflicting reports. Um, you've heard from people around one, I've heard from people around four, I've also heard from people around one as well. So it's a, it's a little bit of a confusing thing. If Cleary is fit round one, are we crazy not to start him or are we worried about the, I guess, the perceived injury? I wouldn't say you're crazy. Uh, I think everyone wants to start him, but paying nearly a million dollars means that you do take a hit somewhere if you're going to pay it. But if you look at his numbers, which we will obviously run through, there's a hell of an argument to start with him. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Look, it's, it's nine forty nine to start with him. And, and I was considering starting with Toto at 800. So I guess the extra 150 K that we get for Cleary, what is it? 108.3 average three games below 80 all year. I don't see that changing a whole lot. We might see a slight drop in average, but it'll still be the the clear-cut best halfback. It's just, yeah, 300K more than the next best on the list. Is he worth 300K more? That's the question to tell, especially when it comes into like what we're doing with him for the first three rounds. I'm still undecided. If he's named round one, I'd probably have to pull the side apart and put him in. But my, my biggest worry is, if the Panthers say, oh, yeah, he's just going to miss round one, and then one turns into two, and two turns into three. That's my issue with with picking him not starting round one, having nearly a million dollars sort of unknown how long the time frame is. That's my biggest concern. If he's not starting round one, I'm not carrying him. I'm certainly not carrying basically a million dollars. If he comes in, if he does miss round one, for example, and he comes in round two and two and three, for example, and he absolutely brains it, then 
I might just pull my side apart and try and get him. Um, but if he's missing that round one, I simply can't start with the mill on the pine to begin round one. That was my next question. Like, just say hypothetically, we, we, we take Cherry Evans at our half, just hypothetically because he's number two on the list. So there's a 300K price difference. Oh, sorry, 250. If you took Cherry Evans, do you keep 250K aside? It's an option. Uh, it's definitely an option. Um, I know Wilfred last year, for whatever reason it was, had to not pick Tedesco to start, and he did the exact same thing. He picked the side without Tedesco and left the money so that he could grab him week two. So you certainly can do it. Um, it's not a bad option by any means. Yeah, I think Wolf got shafted pretty hard in the charity league. Uh, I think one of the conditions was he, he couldn't have Teddy. But, look, that's probably the route I'm going to go down. <laughs> look, if I don't if I don't take Cleary, yeah, I'm probably going to have to keep the money aside. And then... Look, he comes out, doesn't play very well the first two games. We get a price drop, and I bank the extra cash and enough great elsewhere. But, yeah, I think you're a brave man. I, the thing is, it's different to, tur- to Turbo, I feel, because the fullbacks, I think, are going to be quite tight this year in terms of the averages, whereas halfback, I don't see anyone coming close to Cleary. Like, that's the issue. Like, people say, oh, if you're going to spend that on, on Cleary, like, why are you so against Turbo? And it's just because of the fact of what the competition around it is at the moment. Yeah, but Brew and I, we had SJ as our first half. I think we both changed that now, uh, and we'll touch on that later on. But like, just anything else on the market is so much uh, inferior to, to a fully fit Cleary. As I said, one hundred and eight point three, whatever it was. Um, you, yeah, you've written here three games below eighty all season. The consistency is going to stay the same, especially with this Penrith side, and the fact that he's goal kicking probably the best kicker in the league that adds another twenty points a game. So even on a poor night. Uh, he's still, yeah, a set and forget sort of captain. If you don't go, if you don't go with uh, Trevojevic, mate, we touched on uh, Cherry Evans as sort of the hypothetical number two. Um, I'm, I can't justify paying nearly 700k for him off the back of a turbo career year as well. I want to. He was in my very first draft. I picked Cherry Evans at seven. Um, I'm very, I'm very high on him. Uh, his numbers. His numbers are quite good. Uh, 29 base for Cherry is actually the best of any of the halfbacks. Uh, 54 is his attack average, which means that you are getting really solid scores week to week if that's his average in attack. Turbo, look, we don't have crystal balls. If Turbo plays the full season, I can't see Cherry declining, to be honest. Oh, okay. I guess that's where we differ. Um I just I think Turbo's in for a regression of probably at least twenty points, and, I, and therefore I think it affects Cherry Evans. Um, it's he's always been there or thereabouts when it comes to Supercoach, but I just I don't know. I struggle with these guys that are playing back to back. My fans running mate, so give us a rundown on Nico Hines, and I'll come back and take over. No worries. So Nico Hines averaged seventy eight point two last year. Now it's really difficult uh, with Hines because. He only played a couple of games uh, in the halves last year. Obviously, he played the majority of the season at fullback. Now, uh, so what I said basically for the notes in this one was that because he's new to his position, it's a little bit hard to judge. It's a really small sample size. 
if you're looking purely at the numbers, you'll see that he scored 182 when playing in the halves. That's not actually the case. This I know tripped me up a few months ago. I had forgotten that this was the case, but Pappenhausen actually got injured in that game. So he played, I think, 65 to 70 minutes of that game actually at fullback. The numbers that I could uh, pull from when he has played half, and I think it was only three or four games last year, was that typically you saw a five or six point increase when he played in the halves. Now he does have a nice probably five to six rounds to start the season. I actually think he could easily go a 60 plus average over that time frame. Yeah. Look, if he goes 60 average, cool. But like, it, that's just like a hundred K price drop for me. And the big sticking point with Hines is, is he going to goal kicker and who's his halves partner? Cause right now the talk is Moylan or Trindle and Trindle is, is a handy boot off the tee. Uh, we saw that Hines was capable as well in Melbourne. So for me, it comes down to if he's kicking. If I know he's kicking, like it's just, it's tough because there's so many new like, there's so many new very like factors coming into the shark side, and I don't want to get caught up with comparisons. But um, I know that I looked at Carl Flanagan last year with, I guess, high hopes with all the the acquisitions around him, and I'm not saying Hines and Flanagan are anywhere near the same with talent, but it these these kind of things don't gel straight away. And I just worry that the Sharks take four or five rounds to get into the swing of things, and that's when his run sort of ends. Another one for me is the fact that he's not playing fullback. He's not on the end of these attacking plays. He's going to be setting them up. So it's very it's very easier. To, it's sorry, it's much easier to score when you're hitting the outside of the centre and the wingers jamming in to, to tap on for an easy try assist than it is sort of standing in where the two RF sort of sits. So I'm I'm just worried that his attack drops. He'll probably progress as a better footballer from in, in sheer and a role st- standpoint. I'm just worried about his supercoach output. Um, yeah, priced at what is that seventy eight point two? There's no way he's hitting seventy eight point two. Even even if he has a career year at, at halfback, I just don't see him hitting nearly eighty points a game. For me, Hines, even if he gets off to a hot start, he's still going to lose money, and I'd probably give it a miss personally, Matt. I'm warming to the idea. So I've always been really negative, but I'm warming to it because with my team, it's been pretty, there's only been minor tweaks here and there, but the one thing I'm constantly changing is half and five eighths. I can't settle on a combination at all. Usually, you know, you would pick a Munster or a Cleary and then maybe you might take a punt either way on the other position. But this year we don't have the studs of either position and Cody Walker for mine is a little bit too pricey because I feel he's a bit more enigmatic uh, than say Clary is who's really consistent. I personally don't want to pay a million dollars for Nathan Clary, but I am tempted to pay, you know, $700,000 so that I'm close for a Cherry Evans or a Nico Hines. So just going back to Cherry for a minute, Cherry averaged 108 points per week for the last 10 rounds of last season. That's what Cleary's average is for the season. So he could be an awesome pathway if Manly do continue what they created last season. Nico Hines, goal kicker. I know you said, you know, that he's priced at a 78.2 average, but is the kid a superstar? And if he's a superstar who's going to be playing 80 minutes compared to 65 minutes, what she has been playing with a good draw to start, maybe he does go off to a flyer and he does kind of become a decent pathway player to get to Nathan Cleary. I'm shaking my head, mate. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I don't, 
even if he hits the ground running, I still think it's going to be extremely tough for him to get to 80. I'm not saying that I'm not going to own Hines at all. I'm just not going to be owning Hines at nearly 700k when I could potentially pick him up for like mid to low fives if that shark side doesn't gel well and whatever. Like it's tough. It's it's tough because yeah, the, the fact that Munster is out round one sort of throws everything out. There is two consistency in my pairings, and I think it's the same two consistency you've got, and then we're both tinkering with half and five eighth. Um, it's just yeah, I really want Hines to succeed um, at half. And I just don't see him, yeah, averaging, yeah, close to 80 points and, and holding his value for the first couple of rounds. As I said, I'm sort of assessing him based on the first five or so rounds. Um, as I said, I'm most likely going to own him at some stage. I just don't see it being round ones to round five. Um, Jerome Hughes, mate, doesn't have the, the highest ceiling in the world, but, yeah, one of the most consistent halves in the game. Uh, you've written here... Yeah, incredibly consistent, 60-plus uh, scorer. But you and I both have the same concerns of him coming off a career year. Uh, that does worry me. Yeah, so I think he's got a lower ceiling than the three guys that we've just discussed. He obviously is very consistent, so you always know you're probably going to get maybe a floor of 60. You know, every player has an odd bad week and gets a 40 or a 30 in the halves. But I think typically you're going to get 60-plus from him. I don't think he can go 180 like all of three of the blokes above us, I think, have done. Or well, Cherry's probably come pretty bloody close to it. So for me, he's not really someone that I'm looking at. I'm also a little bit worried about Melbourne to start the year. You know, no Harry Grant. Smith's leaving the club. Where does he fit? They've lost, you know, their lock forward. Munster's missing the first week. Hines has left the club. Pappenhausen's coming off a season, which was very broken for him in terms of injury. It's worrying signs. Uh, definitely at some point, he might become Mr. Consistent, Mr. Just throw him in there, hopefully pick him up at a loss and then just ride him for the whole season. But for now, he's not someone I'm looking personally to start the season. I don't mind anyone that selects him. I think you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a good floor. You're going to get someone that can definitely score tons. I just don't think you're going to get someone that can score 150 plus. Very, very interesting that you prefer Hines over Hughes. I'm in the opposite camp. Yeah, I'd, I'd I much, do. I'd much rather pay 640 for Hughes than I would 685 for Hines. And that's, I guess, the beauty of now having you on, on the show. We've got differing opinions on this thing. I just think Hughes has done it at halfback. We've seen him be consistent in Hines. There's so much unknowns. I actually did a, a breaking down of, these, of those two, Hines and Hughes, on Instagram uh, at the end of last year. Uh, and I've got similar notes, mate. Uh, pros of Jerome Hughes, extremely consistent. He had 73% of his games over 60 points. The cons, uh, as you and I touched on, be wary of a career year. And the fact that 75 points a game is what... Oh, sorry, he averaged 73. 73 points a game is probably his ceiling. Like, we're not going to see anything better out of him. I think I think he sh- he's very similar to a Reed Marty in the fact that he has shown his hand and, and shown what he's capable of. And we just have to expect that, which is totally fine if he's going to hit that consistently. So um, I prefer Hughes over Hines just because Hines is coming into so many unknowns. But yeah, we'll we'll wait and see how that plays out. It'll be definitely one to watch over the preseason, I feel, because a lot of people, if Cleary is revealed to be out for any extended periods of time, yeah, people will be going the the next route down, I feel. So yeah, one to watch, definitely. Mate, believe it or not, I was actually very keen on Ben Hunt before positions were released just because of the sheer fact that he could fill a gap at hooker. But now that's been taken out, I'm very, very off Ben Hunt. Like, I'm so cold. Yeah, I've gone I've gone cold on Ben Hunt too. I loved him last year and he, he did me massive favours. Now, average-wise, uh, his attacking numbers, his minutes, everything's pretty good. 
he gets 60 plus 50 percent of the time and i don't really think you can knock that given that he played for a really really poor dragon side last year a side that has recruited a lot of players but i don't think they've recruited maybe the type of players that they need to rebuild that club the right player Uh, yeah like they've got a lot of experienced heads coming into the club but they've moved on some attacking talents i just i really think they're I think they're bottom two, bottom four yeah. at best case scenario this season. And that really kind of turns turns me off them. Um, obviously, when we did our team reveals, I realized that I made a huge error picking a few dragons because they have a horrendous draw. It's another reason that would turn me off, um, particularly to start the season. You know, once the season starts and we start to see some form and, you know, what you assess pre-season as what someone's run is can change. You know, one of the best sides might become a terrible side. One of the poor sides might become awesome. And then all of a sudden you've got to change the way that you view a run. I guess he averaged 63 last season, uh, sorry, 67. So that's, you know, nearly 70 a season is amazing, but it's just, it doesn't excite me in this side. I guess the, the, the big positive is he will be the experienced head out of the one, six and seven. He is. He you know what? You sorry, go. go. There you go, mate. You go. I was going to say, you know what really surprised me when I was doing my homework on Ben Hunt? When I watched the Dragons games last year, I felt like Ben Hunt was in everything, that he was always making tackles and that he was always, you know, the first man there. But his base is actually a lot lower than all of the guys that we've just discussed. And I felt like his base would have probably been one of the best. So he he only had 23 as his base, which isn't bad by any means, but it's kind of average. And that surprised me because he seemed to be involved in a lot when I was watching the Dragons games. Are you saying that, that Ben Hunt is a serial flopper? So once the tackle's done, he'll just... Uh, it might, maybe that's the answer. Third man in tackles. It could be the case because I definitely would watch and go, oh, there's a point, there's a point, there's a point. And I'll check his score and go, how's he only on 20? I swear to God, I've seen him make 20 tackles today. So maybe that is the case. Maybe he's Nathan Highmarsh. <laughs> if Ben Hunt had hooker tag next to him, I'd probably be all over him, to be honest. Um, I'd certainly consider it. Yeah, just because of how, how shallow hooker is. But the fact that he's lost that, a dragon side that I feel is going to be pretty poor, as you said. The one, the one shining light is he will be the experienced head. I think a lot of the playmaking will go through him. A lot of the kicking will go through him. Hook Griffin will just uh, go back to old reliable and just say Ben Hunt goes out of trouble, which yeah could be an uptick. But I think sixty-seven is probably the peak that we've seen from him. Uh, Sam Walker. So Sam Walker. I've got a lot of questions on this, mate. Um, put a TikTok TikTok video up about Luke Keary, and a lot of people were asking the the potential of running dual. Roosters halves with Kiri and Walker. I think you go one or the other. Um, but I can definitely see a case for Sam Walker, especially if he does goal kick over uh, the likes of Paul Momorowski or Adam Kieran. So I'm I'm not against it. 62.3 in his rookie season. You would expect that only gets better. The fact that Kiri's there, you'd think it's going to help him massively. Uh, that's going to free up Teddy as well. So Walker might be able to do his thing and, and improve on the 62.3. He is currently 545.9K. Not too sure how much value is there, but I don't think you're going to lose much on him. I think potentially you could, and I think that's my issue with him. If Now, whoever's goal-kicking at the Roosters will be on my side, and it's kind of annoying me, and maybe that's the reason I'm chopping and changing in the halves so much, because if Walker's not kicking, I'm not going to pick Sam Walker. I'd much prefer Kiri in that instance. I think Kiri's got a much higher ceiling. Um, and just the, the yo-yo of scores last year from Sam Walker. Now, I know it was his debut season, I know his base is obviously very poor. Uh, he missed a lot of tackles. He was targeted a lot in defense because of his size. Hopefully, the extra size that he's put on, he can increase that base. He can become a better tackler. 
But when I was looking at the numbers, he had 53% of his games over 60, which is pretty damn good for your debut season. Bravo. We know he's a talented footballer, but 43% of his scores came under 40, which means that he's going to have a lot of stinkers. Yeah, he's uh, he's the... Mm, absolutely. I'm just the the reason I'm I'm positive on Sam Walker is because he was playing with Drew Hutchinson, and no disrespect to Drew, like quality journeyman, good footy player to have on your side, but he's no Luke Keary, is he? Like, I just think Luke Keary is going to be able to to steer Walker so much better and straighten him up a little bit. And the Roosters have more strike depth now in the backs. I understand the Morris brothers have left, um, but they're going to get more young talent in more strike weapons. And yeah, if if Walker kicks, that's the big caveat. If Walker kicks. I could be on him over Kiri. And that's if he if he kicks, I'm picking him. I, I think the uptick in goals will make up for the poor base. All of a sudden, even if he gets ten points in goal kicking a game, you know, average, which is very reasonable. I think the Roosters will be a very good side this year. They'll probably put some scores on some teams. That would tick his base up to say twenty one. Because for goal kickers I include kicking as their base. That would put him in decent areas. Then he's got a huge attacking upside. I think he had the uh, fourth fourth highest attacking points average of any of the halfbacks that we're going through today. So he's definitely got a huge attacking upside. And with size, hopefully maybe he could add a tackle bust and maybe even some line breaks by, you know, palming people off and hitting the holes. There's huge upside, but it comes with a caveat that there's going to be some stinkers, I think, and you're going to need to be very, very patient with Sam Walker. Oh, yeah, you, you, you definitely have to ride it out. Um, no origin will be a big tick for him as well. Uh, I don't really think Walker's getting picked over Cherry Evans anytime soon, so that, that's a big tick for me. You'd probably be able to hold him for close until they're by. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I like him if he kicks because I don't think the Roosters are scoring less than four tries a game, which is 24 points. So... Yeah, I think the Roosters are in for a big one. I think it'll be definitely down to their 6, 7, and 1. Um, they're still struggling with a 9, which they'll get next year. But, yeah, I'm really keen on Sam Walker. I think there's value at the 62.3 average, um, yeah, especially if he goal kicks. If he doesn't, then different story we're having here. But, yeah. Mate, Jamal Fogarty, I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I might cop some backlash for saying this, but I don't really feel he is a huge upgrade on Sam Williams in terms of, like, the money that they've paid for Fogarty... I would have rather just kept Williams and invested elsewhere, but he will he will goal kick. He'll take over that George Williams role. Averaged what was that fifty eight point five in a Titan side that was sort of up and down. He'll be locked in, nailed on the play every week. I know we can't trust Ricky Stewart, but it'll be Whiten and Fogarty to play sort of together in the halves. There's there's nothing that really entices me about a mid five hundred k guy who's averaging less than sixty. To be honest. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. 
I think there's better options lower or higher. And that's kind of the range that he's in. His numbers are okay. 58 averages, by no means it's bad. Um, his base was 23. Again, that's an average number. 39 attack, average number. Minutes, 76, because he actually got hooked in three games last year because he was having stinkers. Uh, and he's, what was he, 60-60 was 40%. So across the board, he's just got average numbers. Now, he definitely has potential. He's, you know, there was tons in there last year a couple of times, but I just think there's better options either going the elites or going, you know, some of the guys that we'll talk about soon. Yeah, that's that's the problem with this sort of batch of guys we've got. I'd rather pay 30K more for Sam Walker and I'd rather save 80K on someone like a Sean Johnson. So unfortunately for Fogarty, yeah, he's a, he's a big miss for me. Probably the same thing can be said about Mitch Moses. Yeah. So only two tons last season for Mitch Moses. Now we all know that Mitch Moses, 2019, was it? I think he was electric. He scored tons, you know, every couple of weeks he was scoring tons. He seems to have lost that electricity. Parramatta as a whole, both their halves last year, they kind of, it, it's so strange that Parramatta, for the most part, had a, have had two very good seasons in a row being top four sides and neither of their halves have really gone next level. 58 average, he, actually his numbers are very similar to the person we just spoke about in Fogarty. So, you know, 17 base is really, really low. So he's not making many tackles or taking any, any runs. Mitch Moses, you know, can break a hole very easily. I'm surprised he's not taking more, taking the line on more. Attack of 44 is a bit below uh, the good category. 76 minutes, he's an 80-minute player. He just had a rest here and there, but only 35% of the time going 60-plus. In a top four, I think they finished top four, maybe fifth last year. That's pretty surprising for me. Look, I've said this a couple of times. Mitch Moses has become a better halfback in general but has lost that super coach friendly side of his game. Whereas Nathan Cleary has become a better halfback, but has risen in the super coach ranks. 2019, as you touched on all the preseason talk, I remember it was Cleary versus Moses. That was the debate people were having. Um, yeah, look, Moses has become a better footy player, just lost that sort of element to his game. Average 58.3 with a really poor Dylan Walker. I think Dylan Walker has a bit of a bounce back and that could probably affect Cleary, uh, affect Moses. At 511k, the exact same point I'm going to make uh, that we said with Fogarty, I'd rather take Walker for a little bit more or take SJ for a little bit less. Mate, I don't know sort of where my head's at with this one because he had Cody Walker off a career year and averaged 58.1. Adam Reynolds at the Broncos is garnering a lot of attention. People think there's going to be this huge uptick in production. I'm not one of those guys. And at 509k, I'm not too sure how much value there truly is in a guy that averaged 58.1 in one of the best sides in the comp with one of the best sixes on form last year. Yeah, well said. So I'm not going to read through all of his numbers. His numbers are virtually identical to Mitchell Moses's in every single category. He went 60 plus 45% of the time is the only difference, which would mean that he probably had a few lower scores. Mitchell Moses's floor was probably a little bit higher than Reynolds. I went back and I had a look for Reynolds. So over the last five years, every season, he's averaged 55 to 60. So that just seems to be his zone. Uh, he seems to get that year in and year out. I don't think the change in scenery is going to see an increase. I don't see why it would. 
it's going to be much of the same for me. I feel like he's still going to be roughly in the same areas. He'll probably average about 55 this season. He might, maybe he'll push 60 if he's, you know, uptick increases because it's a poorer club and maybe he has to do more, but he's also going to kick less goals. Yeah, which so. is a big factor I think that people need to factor in is that he would have been kicking a lot of goals for South Sydney last year who were putting on scores regularly. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'll, I, I will, as I'm just sort of giving my opinions um, on sort of the other guys, I'll, I'll bring up sort of the points differential between the yeah, uh, Rabbitohs and the Broncos. I just think that we're in for a rough one with Adam Reynolds. I, st- I think he'll help the Broncos club and culture, no doubt about it. I'm just with Supercoach, man. I'm really, really worried. Uh, mate, I'll let you lead off with Sean Johnson while I pull up these uh, point-scoring stats between both sides. So Sean Johnson is someone who I really hope goal kicks for Supercoach purposes. If he does, 100% I'm on that. I don't think he will personally, and I've discussed that previously, so I won't go into that again. Just going through purely the numbers from last season, obviously it was an injury-affected season. His average was 52.7. His base was 15, which is the worst of anyone, pretty much except for Sam Walker that I'll go through today. His attack numbers were 39, heavily down on previous numbers. His minutes were 73. And again, I think he only played 15 minutes of one game. So that would be the reason for that. 40% of the time last season, he went 60-plus. Now, his numbers dropped a great deal last season in every single area across the board that we just discussed. He's got a solid early draw, um, and I think he should see increases across the board in pretty much all categories, maybe not his base. Maybe he won't be as willing to go in and tackle or take hit-ups early in the season coming off an injury, but I think in the other areas we will see increases. Um now, in 2020, he was incredibly consistent at going 60-plus. His 60-60 was amazing. And that's kind of the areas that I think we'll get back to with Sean Johnson. So at the worst-case scenario, this guy probably isn't going to be a season-long keeper. But I think given the draw, he can get some good scores early. He can make you some money. He can certainly be a good pathway player to milk that draw and then move him on to one of the elites. So before I give my thoughts on Sean Johnson, uh, Adam Reynolds left the second best scoring side in the game, averaging, I think it was 32.4 points a game. He's now entering a Broncos side who was the second worst scoring side last year, averaged 18.5 points a game. So pretty big drop off. Uh, it's going to affect, that's that's nearly three tries a game. That's that's a fair bit of... At eight points, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a fair bit of uh, super coach goal kicking out the window. As for us, Jay, mate, uh, you and I have I've pumped his tyres up greatly. Uh, I love the draw they've got. Yeah, I worry that he's not going to goal kick with the injury sort of issues to his lower half of his body. I'm probably thinking that's Reese Walsh's T to lose, um, barring anything drastic. The base is concerning because he isn't someone that churns to a lot of work. He relies heavily on those attacking stats. But year on year, he's been exceptional at force dropouts. So close to the line, I think the Warriors have big concerns with who their six is. I don't really think Warriors fans know who their six is right now. So... You'd think fifth tackle options all down to SJ, close to the line, just roll it into the end goal. With If nothing's happening, he's very, very good at that. 462000 off a pretty down year last year and a down time at the Sharks as well. He will be one of the most owned halves, I feel. He'll probably be up there in the top five owned halves come the official release of the game. And I really like it. I really do like the 462. Um, I, I'm not going to say I'm all over it because I'm currently I'm not. And the only reason I'm not over it is because I needed to find some funds elsewhere who I'll touch on right now, mate. And I really, really love Toby Sexton. I absolutely love Toby Sexton at 434K. 62 average last year in a 
sort of small sample size, but he has one of the best pure bases. He loves a tackle. He loves to get stuck in, rack up those points. And if the, the reports are that he's going to be playing on the left-hand side, which we, we expect is Fafita's side, then, yeah, definitely all over him, mate. And he will probably goal kick as well. Yeah, Toby Sexton hasn't left my side probably for the last three weeks. Since I first did the numbers on him and I, and I did put him in my side, he hasn't left. I did some homework from the Q Cup last year. Now, he is relatively inexperienced. I will say this, Toby Sexton, he only, it was only his first season in the Q Cup last year. He had a 90% conversion rate. Uh, he also had a very good conversion rate when kicking for the Titans. The Titans opted for him to goal kick in front of Ash Taylor. So... He'll definitely be their goal kicker as far as I'm concerned, which is good. Uh, Titans, you know, Titans are an inconsistent side, but Titans have also been known to score a lot of points, you know, quite often as well. So he should get a little bit of boost from the goal kicking. I did run his numbers based on what he did last year. So 25 was his average base per game. That's certainly by no means bad. Um, in fact, it's very, very good. Now, hopefully he can continue that because he would be a halfback that you know would have a pretty good floor. Uh, his attacking numbers were 42. Probably can't read too heavily into that because they scored a lot of points in all four of those games or three out of those four of the games, I think it was, except for the last one. Uh, 42, again, would be extreme numbers. We're talking about a guy that would be averaging probably 55 to 65 a season if he were to keep those numbers up. The 60, 60, the minutes, et cetera, I didn't do those. He only played four games, so there's no point going into depth there. But ever since I put him in my side, he hasn't left, and I had no intentions of taking him out. Something to note as well is it's it's been probably the worst unkept secret that we know, but the Titans have all but confirmed uh, AJ Brimson will be wearing the six. Um, they put up an Instagram reel basically making a joke of um, Brimson in the corner whilst Jaden Campbell wore the number one jersey on media day. So all but confirms Brimo in the six. Uh, I think we already knew that, but yeah, pretty much official now. I, I just, I'm, I'm really, really liking Sexton. I, and I, I don't know if I'm going to get burnt by being a rookie, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm all over Sexton right now. He and uh, Hastings are my halves so far. Uh, sorry, him and Ilias are my halves so far. And barring anything, I'm not too sure if that changes. Even if the clearing news happens, I'm going to have to find 500k somewhere to upgrade Sexton to clearing. I don't know if I can do that with the side they've got. So, yeah, mate, uh, you and I both on the money, or not on the money, you and I both on the Sexton bandwagon. And Hopefully yeah, on the money. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, hopefully on the money. Uh, I feel like he's being massively slept on too. Uh, not many people are talking about him. People are opting to go SJ, which is fine. Like, I'm not against SJ. If you took SJ over to Sexton, that's totally cool. I just I need, both. I just needed the the thirty k. So you've got both. So you've dumped Hastings by the sounds of it. I have dumped Hastings, yep. and so I might. I actually have the person I'm about to talk about, uh, which might shock a lot of people. But at the moment, I've actually got Braden Trindle in my seven with uh, Toby Sexton. Huge. So that's yeah, that's a big call. But I'm I'm really high on that Sharks early draw, and I kind of want to either Hines. Or, or Trindle. So obviously at the moment, Trindle's half the price and his numbers weren't actually too bad. So across 10 games where he was the actual starting half last year that he didn't come off the bench, his average was 70.7, which which is crazy. And and the numbers that I ran were all based on his starting games. I took out all the bench games. So his base was 16. So that's pretty mediocre. Hopefully that can increase. His attack was 44. That's a high-end attack. 
uh, 50% of the games of those 10 games, he actually did go 60 plus. So I was quite shocked when I ran the numbers and saw that he had a 70 average over 10 games because that's nearly half a season. So, and with that early draw, Hines coming to the club, good forward pack that they're going to play behind. Really think there might be potential for him to be a smoky to really become a bolter to start the season. Now, he might also be a backup plan for me because I know earlier I spoke about wanting a higher price player. So I had an easier pathway to get to Nathan Cleary. There is a world where I take Nico Hines to start. And if Nico doesn't start the way that I want him to, I'm hoping that Trindle does and I can just sell Hines to down to Trindle and then take Trindle's cash growth and then use the extra two and 150, 60, whatever it is, thousand dollars elsewhere. If it's confirmed that Hines is kicking, I'm assuming your plans for Trindle are out the window. Hines will kick. I've got no doubt that Hines will kick. It's just whether I can structure my side in a way that allows Hines to come in. I'm finding it really hard at the moment because if Momorowski's not kicking for the Roosters, it'll change a lot because I'm carrying both him and Stags in my centres. But there's more than enough cheapies that I don't need to carry to. I could carry Stags and then just take all the cheapies. Yeah, so if, if Mom doesn't kick, that means you go up to you go up to Walker. So you're going to have to find some cash there. Um, you're probably the first person I've heard of that's spoken of Trindle. Um, mm. I'm not, yeah, and I'm not against it. I owned him in draft, uh, basically since he nailed on the seven and yeah, I was a big, big winner of the 70 average he had coming home. So definitely don't hate that at 414 K he's the cheapest of anyone that we've spoken about so far. So really, really like him. If, yeah, if he can find similar form, I'm just worried that Heinz takes more touches off him, but that's probably the only negative that I can put on him at the price range. It's very hard to poke holes at someone that whose average is a little bit deflated because of some bench games or, or, or some reshuffling. But if he starts at the seven, we saw the scores. I'm just, that 70, you've said, so probably a little bit inflated with goal kicking and whatnot. So have to keep that in mind. But at 414K, I can't hate that too much. Uh, I'm probably not going to have the balls big enough to pull it off. Um, that takes us on to, I would say, the most owned halfback. Would you, would you agree in Lachlan Ilias? Yeah, so I didn't do much for Ilias. He only played one game. So he got 39 in that game. His base was 21, which is pretty good for a debut game. His attack was 20. There's there's not a whole lot to say, except for the fact that he's $210,000. He's going to be starting for a top six club in the competition, and that's simply cash cow all the way to the bank. Now, the big concern with Ilias is how long is he starting? Because they've come out and said that he'll get first crack at the seven. But does that mean he loses the seven once Latrell Mitchell's back? Blake Taft goes there. I mean, Souths don't have the greatest run to start with. It might take two or three games of losses, and and who knows? The pressure could be on Ilias, and they just put Taff in because they, they really do rate Taff. And that's my only concern, that we get him for two weeks, and then he doesn't get a price rise. Taff goes back to seven, and he's, he's stuck there at 205K with no price rise. Doesn't really bother me. If that happens, then I'll just get um, I'll get Taff in and I'll take him on this third week. I don't think Taff is all that cheap, to be honest, mate. I don't think it's a case of him of just getting Taff. There's five k difference. Is Taff that? Oh, I thought I thought Taff. Was, I'm, I'm look. I'm thinking about his finals appearance. I was like, he killed it in the finals. He surely he's worth a fair bit. Okay, so that's fine. Um, yeah, if Taff, that's how I'm going to run it. I'm cool, going to start fine, with Elias, and if it turns out what you said is true, and when Mitchell comes back in round three. You know, Elias has had a tough time against two hard clubs and they go, you know what, Taff, you're in the halves. I'll just waste a trade and I'll get him in. Yeah, no, that makes it sense. It is what it is. My apologies, mate. I, for some reason, thought Taff was a lot more than, than what he was. Um, mate, 
we're going to have one more half to round off, and that is Jackson Hastings, who is in my side at the moment. I really like him because I think he goal kicks. I think that's a huge ticket, 350k. Um, I had him priced somewhere in the neighbourhood of 400 or 420. So in my mind, we're getting some value. You've put here the average of 52. That was back in 2015, I want to say, 2015, 2016, when he was at the Roosters. 16, yeah. 2016, yeah. And that Roosters side was poor. Probably similar to the Tiger side there is that there's now. now. Yeah, so he was... I had to do a lot of homework for Jackson Hastings because across all the seasons that he played in the NRL, he only played the 2015 and 2016 seasons consistently. Uh, in 15, it was predominantly off the bench. In 16, he was the starter. So I used 16. Now it's five years ago or six years ago, how long it is. So he might be more of a worker. He might've put on more size. He might be a more talented player. I can only go off what he did when he was here. Uh, which was 24 base, which means that, you know, he'll be a, a solid worker. Uh, 30 attack. Now, that's not too bad. The Roosters, from memory, came second last in 2016. They were piss poor side. They, I think they lost Cordner. I think that's the year that Mitch Pierce was rooting dogs in the preseason. So that's all I can really go off with a 52 average that season. Now, in that season, he kicked 83% of his goals, which is means that he's definitely a goal kicker. But in the last four years in the English pre- uh, English Premier League, sorry, it's FPL season, in the English Super League, he hasn't kicked. He kicked one goal conversion, like a penalty goal last season. That's it. I'm so just, I'm just failing hopefully he hasn't forgotten how to kick. I just can't think of who kicks because it's Adam Dewey when he's when he's fit, obviously. But Brooks had the tee bit last year. I just... Dane Laurie's I not- think it'll be Hastings, but... Um, he just he just better dust off those shooting boots because they've been a bit dusty for five years by the sounds of it. But we're going to have to keep an eye on trials because if he's not kicking, I'm not going anywhere near him. Oh, Even I, at 350 I think, now. I still think I get sucked in at 350 if he's not kicking, to be honest. I don't know. I don't know. I, All right. little special for our viewers. So I told you I went really deep into the homework here. So he's average. I got his numbers from last season. Uh, when he was playing for Wigan. So he averaged 12 carries per game. He only made 13 tackles a game. That's not too bad um, for a half. He was averaging one try per five games, 3.5, sorry. And he had, sorry, only five line breaks. Across twenty five games, we're getting deep into some uh, into some English uh, Super League stats. Jeez, I didn't I didn't think this is where this podcast was going. Yeah, look, I I just think that we're going to have Laurie there, who who we know can put on um, a bit. So he's going to get some try contributions, and you only need a couple. All he's going to need is sort of one involvement, whether it be a try contribution or whatever, to to hit the the three fifty break even. So I'm if your goal kicks one hundred percent. If he's not, I'm going to have to do some trial watching and and see sort of how he shapes up. I'll score the trial games of the Tigers. He's probably the player that I'm most interested in, in terms of like personal scoring. So I'll watch the Tigers trials, score him and see where he comes out at. But yeah, I think he goal kicks, which is which is a huge ticket, 350k. So 12 carries. It's hard. So I got this data using their actual... Um, the, the fantasy league game that they play, but it's a lot more like NRL fantasy. So, you know, for the season, you might score 1,200 points because you score, sorry, what was his? So that's not right. So he's at 170K. 
he's actually the highest priced um, half, believe it or not. But it's mostly because of kick meters and stuff like that. It's not yeah. because of the numbers that we use in Supercoach. So the 3.5, sorry, I, I messed up my notes. The 3.5 was tackle bust. So that's not too bad. So you're talking about Seven him possibly getting, say, you know, let's go let's go with seven uh, once every now and then he gets a line break. So let's, well, line breaks 10. Let's give him two points, 12 one ca- try, 12, five. 12 carries. There's potentially 16 points because you assume some of them are, are over eight metres as well. So look, I think the base yep. there, from what you're saying, is, a, is around 38, 40. That's 38. Yeah, 38, 40. With, sorry, base base power, not, not just pure base. Um, yeah. So yeah, like 40 points and then... You've got the sort of potential try assists coming on top, the goal kicking. Let's give him 10 points for goal kicking. That's what, two. So, yeah, look, there's value. I think he hits around 55 points a game uh, if he's goal kicking. It which... looks like his numbers would probably equate to roughly what he was doing, doing it that way yeah. live on the air. So, so yeah, look, 52 points back in 2016. I don't think he's going to differate from that too much. I think he's only got the ability to go up considering he has matured more and more as a footballer. So, Mate, I didn't expect us to sit down and start delving into uh, ESL fantasy stats, but uh, good, good to know that you've done your research and got them for us, but we can get an idea of his sort of production. Um, I really like him. If he goal kicks, he'll be huge. I guess the big takeaways from this is I feel Hughes is better than Hines in terms of supercoach. Proof Hill's the other way. Um, we're both on Sam Walker if he goal kicks. We are both on Sexton as well, which has been a, a new thing. And if you take Ilias and he's dropped, then you can pretty much shift uh, easily shift to Taff. Would you agree with all those, mate? Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully I can – I just want the trials to come so I can get a look at these players. You know, if Trindle stinks it up in the trials, I can go, you know what, bang, he's out of it. And that will shorten the field of guys that I keep rotating at the moment because the last five guys that we just spoke about have all been rotating in and out of my side. Uh, Trindle's only come in today. And I really – I really – wish I could get one of those high price players so I can step stone a little bit easier all the way up to Nathan Cleary. Yeah. Cleary with a big one. Um, I might just, um, I, we didn't actually go through his numbers and I just might highlight them quickly to show how far above the rest of the comp he was. So his average was 108.3. So his average is almost 30, 30 better than the better. next best. His base is 26, which puts him in third place overall for base. His attack per game was 84 points. No wonder the bloke was three games below 80 all season. The next best was 54. So that's 30 points right there per game that he was better off. And 95% of the time he went 60 plus. So you really are getting what you pay for with Nathan Cleary. It's just a matter of, can you afford it off the bat? Do you have a game plan to get there quickly? Does he play round one? They're the key talking points. And how skeptical you are of the shoulder as well. I think that has to be yeah, mentioned. Absolutely. That has to be mentioned. Um, that's going to sort of round us all up. Um, for anyone asking me, I get this question four or five times a day, around Australia Day, stop messaging me asking when Supercoach opens. It's around Australia Day. Be patient. It'll open up. Um, hopefully, you go back and listen to these when you're building your sides. Mate, I very much thank you once again. About 46 minutes or so today. Uh, a little bit less than the 2RF pod, but... Um, less yeah, to discuss. Less to discuss. Less players. I think, I think one's pretty clear cut if they start and you're confident on them. And then there's a couple of more cheapies. Uh, Lachlan Ilias has nailed onto a couple of sides, so that probably brings it down to five or six guys people are choosing from. Whereas to RF, we didn't even cover them all, and there was probably 20 guys that you can pick from. So, mate, I very much thank mm. you for your time. I thank you for your, for your English Super League knowledge. Um, 
that's going to wrap us all up for today, guys. Uh, you've been listening to the Dual Position Podcast. Um, leave us a review, a subscribe, a follow, whatever you do. Um, yeah, the support's been great the, the first couple of months and really enjoying doing these podcasts once again. As I said to you guys multiple times, I was starting to get a little bit sick of it last year, doing it on my own, which was rough. So good to see that I've got some brains trust next to me, mate. Um, as always, ciao for now. Ciao for now, guys. Bye. Take it easy. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.